All right. So destined for deliverance. Um, excuse me, destined for discipleship. I'm sorry. Um, as you noted that um, our scripture and we have our core scripture, Matthew 9, uh, verse 37 through chapter 10, verse 1. It's been the core scripture for this series. And then there's another one that I'll give you today. That's a new scripture for today. All right. Matthew 9, 37. Then he, Jesus, said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the harvesters, that's the laborers, are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out harvesters into his harvest. I'm, I'm changing the words because sometimes we pray about the harvest and not about the harvesters. Verse 1 of chapter 10. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So it is the disciples that had the empowerment to go to um, the next level of dominion empowerment. And so you have to, um, after you get through deliverance, you have to go through this discipleship phase if you really want to walk in the dominion that God has for you. And so getting these regimens in your life are really important. Now let's look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, his disciples, his apostles, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. There is no authority in either realm or even under the earth that's higher than Jesus. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now let's do something, media team. I'm, I'm gonna call an audible. Um, I'm, go to Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. Just give you guys some of the pieces of what I shared yesterday. Uh, Matt, uh, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 16. Hallelujah. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Uh, so these two aspects of scripture here um, are very similar, but significantly different. Both give us two aspects of the same commission. Matthew's account tells us to disciple the nations. And as we've taught before, and we'll say it again, and we'll show it to you today, every disciple is a believer, but not every believer is a disciple, right? We talked about that. What's the difference? And that it takes one to make one. You have to be at the disciple level if you want to reproduce somebody at the disciple level. That's why Jesus told his disciples to be the one that made disciples. All right. Now, um, so the first strategy in discipling others is to ensure that you yourself are, are a disciple. And we've given you um, over this month the criteria that Jesus establishes in Scripture for you to really be his disciple. 
Now, this in Matthew's account, it says we disciple the nations, disciple the nations. The word nations there is the word ethnos, where we get the word ethnic or ethnicity. When it says disciples, the nations is saying that it is the order of God to establish kingdom communities that are multicultural. Right. The construct of, you know, the white evangelical church or the black churches really wasn't Jesus intention. It was it was his accommodation to um, our humanity that allows for. But that was not his intention. His intention was always that these churches, his kingdom communities would be multicultural. That of all nations, everyone that fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. And so sometimes God may give you to minister to people who don't look, sound, act, don't have the same cultural background, you have to do some cultural communication, explain to them things that you might know that everybody that look like you, sound like you, talk like you might already know. OK, let me explain this to you. We use this term. There's these hidden isms that we know that you might not. But that's part of the deal. That was what God already always intended, that we would have places in the kingdom where people from all kinds of culture get together because that's how it's going to be in heaven. We did that in our series on Back to the Future, that of all nations, that they were all there gathered around the throne, glorifying God from all tribes, nations, languages, and peoples and cultures. Amen? All right. Now, Mark's account of, of uh, this is different. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But the word there for world is different than the word there for uh, nations. This word is the word cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S, -O -S, where we get, you know, cosmic or cosmetic. Okay. Here we are talking about this word says that we're supposed to preach the gospel in every system of society. That means that God intends for wherever you have influence to raise you up to a position of leadership and authority and that you're supposed to disciple that discipline. If you're, if God calls you into media, you're supposed to go into media and use kingdom principles to bring the kingdom to media and then disciple in that discipline. All right. Um, if you're called to education, you're supposed to bring the kingdom in education and disciple people that are in education. I'm called to the automotive industry. And so one of my assignments has been to mentor young African-American engineers. I mentor everybody that report to me, but I'm specifically called out and they call me. Hey, you need to talk to this one. I understand that's cold. He's not doing well. If you don't help him, he might not be here long. And so God will have you disciple people in that area and then grow to a place of leadership where you begin to bring the kingdom and bring kingdom authority in the area. Had a recent chance, you know, um, automotive industry is in the middle of this thing and had a chance to talk to the person that's leading our side. Great friend of mine, great man of God. And um, 
And when I talked to him, I said, uh, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And uh, he said, man, he laughed. He chuckled. They call me a lot of things, but not a peacemaker, nor a child of God. <laughs> OK, well. He's sent to that place specifically to have somebody at the table that understands the kingdom perspective. OK, and so um, sometimes people think because they have a call to ministry that this is their pulpit. You might have a pulpit in media or in education or in healthcare. You might have it um, in in politics, in the political arena. But you got to distinguish between the true kingdom impact. And then some of uh, what our conservative things are happening now, I, 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 they they're saying they're representing the kingdom, but there's not enough love in it to represent. Yeah. Did you call them out? Yeah, I called them out. Did you hear me? I just called them out. So I'm very clear about that, because if you're representing my king, his 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 system says I, I should be. Yes, yes. Yep. I agree with you. Um, lives matter in the womb. But then when the life get out of the womb, I don't want to put them in the cage because they was born south of the border. I mean, if it if it matters, it matters. Right. Um, if you're going to be for righteousness and justice, then if a cop in uniform. Without a warrant comes to to your apartment and shoots you and says they were scared in uniform with the gun. In, you, in the privacy of your own home without a warrant, which constitutionally is called illegal search and seizure. And then you try to blame the victim for getting killed in his own house doing nothing wrong. Something's wrong with you. You don't represent my king. And I'm telling you, you don't represent his kingdom. OK, does that make sense now? Now, somebody out there doing wrong will praise God. You know, we praying for him. We believe him for mercy, you know, but but hold it. There was nothing wrong. He was in his own apartment. And you mean to tell me, I mean, you, you're the person who, who runs and does cases and, and arrest people. And you can't tell between the flow number three and the flow number four. And you got a gun. Something's wrong. OK. And then to say that and try to come up with some crocodile tears on a stage. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So they, I, I, I'm talking about bring, being a disciple in a discipline. Now, a judge in that, a police, a, a, a police captain, that's a kingdom person, even if that person doesn't look like me, had to call that out. You know, I'm a kingdom person at work, so there's some things I just can't do. I had leaders that tell me we're about to do something. And David, I know you're going to object before I say it. And then we get out of it and other people who was too scared to say it in the meeting said, David, you was right. You big. <laughs> I, I'm bringing the kingdom in that discipline. There's a certain there's a standard that I have to walk in. Now, not all of those people 
going to ever come to my church, but they know there's a certain way I live. They, they expect certain things of me more than they expect of other people because of the standard that I live by. And that's what's supposed to be for you. All right. So go into the discipline that God has called you to and dominate in that sphere through kingdom in, in, uh, principles and become a person and a place of influence and substance. All right. That's what I wanted to just share with you from yesterday. Hallelujah. Now, um, let's just remind you of the definitions that we had of disciple, um, the Greek word methetes, and we gave you um, the acrostic definition of disciple. Let's just show that. This is just the review pieces, and then we get on to our new things. The, and I just want to spend time at the bottom that that a disciple is a dedicated, inspired student committed to integrating principles for living in excellence. That you are dedicated and inspired. That means you bring your own motivation to the party. Right. Student means you are a perpetual learner. I'm committed to integrating principles means that you're not just putting book knowledge to put it on a shelf and, and, and get trophies and certificates diplomas that collect dust, but that you are purpose, you're learning to do it and to integrate that into your life such that if people don't read the Bible, they will know what the Bible says because of how you live. That's what it means to be an epistle. It means to be a living letter that can be read by people. All right. Now let's go back to our five discipleship principles, and then we'll just review those and move on. And we said that every disciple is a believer, but not every believer is a disciple. And then we said, number two, it takes one to make one. Number three, we spent significant time on this one. Discipleship requires preeminent commitment, right? Loving Jesus above all else, principle living, continuing in the word, purposeful benevolence, showing love to another, thereby we are just disciples, and productive, effective action, right? That's, that's bearing much fruit, right? So if we're going to be disciples, all of those things must be working in our lives for us to be effective as disciples. Then number four, which is the one we've been dealing with um, with our scripture today, discipleship requires the disciple to pay it forward. That's why we read Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He told his disciples to disciple the nations. If I am being discipled, I can and should be discipling others. He says, teach others what I have commanded you. All right. And then look at number five. Number five says, Jesus commits himself to stay with the discipling disciple. Lo, I am with you always until the end of the age. And so what we want to, well, man, I don't, sometimes I don't feel like I have a strong presence of Jesus. We'll get to discipling others. He gets in that with you. You start discipling the nations. He starts sending you to connect with people that don't look like you and make real kingdom connection. He's there with you because he said he would be. All right. And so that's the commitment. And not only now, what we learn today is we're not only discipling people from multiple cultures, we're going into disciplines to disciple whole disciplines. You know, um, what, what, is, what is the, the discipline of family look like? 
People should be able to, to come by you even if they don't come to the pastor for marriage counseling, they should be able to come by your marriage and see how marriages should be. And you should be able to talk them through how, man, man, how are you guys getting along? Why can't we, we do what, you know, how do we get better like y'all did? All right. And so they're supposed to see that. They're supposed to see you in education, seeing how you conduct yourself in school, seeing whatever career, whatever vocation, whatever assignment that you're in, you're supposed to achieve a place of leadership and then through that leadership, exercise kingdom principles, all right? And when you do that, Jesus commits himself to stay with you until the end of the age. Now, let's look at four patterns of discipleship. This is, this is the things that we are having today, hallelujah. Jesus says, suffer the little children to come unto me, forbid them not. So we suffering for Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. All right. Four patterns of discipleship. Number one, it is the order of God to give vision to a committed person, then to a committed couple, but not to a committee. Yeah, it's the order of God to give vision to a committed person. Teams don't come up with vision. They can ratify vision, but they can't originate vision. All right? When that one person who is the visionary gets married, that couple needs to be committed. Now, if that couple, if you call to the ministry and your spouse not with you, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Listen, I, I, I got you know, some friends who were doing great ministry in our city and um, his spouse wasn't feeling it. And uh, <laughs> he left and the church imploded because of home, all right? And so that's why I tell people, if you know you got ministry calling on you, now, some stuff can happen like you didn't intend to it, like you were planning on God, wasn't planning on, you know what I'm saying? But then if things change, that's one thing. But if you know, you need to be talking up front. Okay, okay, I know some things about my life. Are you good with it? Because if you're not, we need that, right? Because how can two walk together except they both be agreed? Now, now, you can have all that agreement going in and people change, but you at least need to have tried to talk that out in advance. You follow me? Um, but God gives vision to a person, and, and, and the intention is that that couple walks in it. You know, I heard, I heard Doc Barkley like, listen, I'm going to preach the truth anyway. And if all y'all leave me, he's like, as long as Vicky with me, <laughs> he like, deuces. I'll be out if all y'all go, as long as I got the home front working right. So God gives vision to a, to a committed person. The intention is that if you are that visionary, that the spouse that he gives you helps you with that vision and is a part of that vision. Amen. But not to a committee. Now, let's, took, let's look at the look, let's look at the sub bullet under that uh, under number one. So that person who God gives vision to is the destiny kingdom authority. That is the person entrusted by God with responsibility to advise, to guide, to direct, and correct 
with a view to ensuring that the person or people group fulfills their God-given purpose and destiny potential, all right? So we want to always be sensitive, even as we transition from this season to the next season of, of our lives, that um, it is the order of God that you not be out here floating like you were a free agent with no team. All right. You don't need to do that. All right. I, I can't, you know, nobody like where I came from, so I can't go nowhere. Hold it. Hold up. Hold up. Who you been listening to? Because you haven't been listening to me if that's how you think. Something's wrong with your thinking. And it wasn't because of my preaching, because I never preached it like that. Now, every vision is unique and you have to call out the uniqueness of your vision. So there is difference. But you you know, there are some people that believe that heaven's going to be real small because it's only the people that fit in a in a building, in a neighborhood, in a denomination. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, call it, hold it. <laughs> Elijah said, I'm the only one, God. Everybody else is is with Jezebel following Baal. And he's like, listen, I got seven thousand. Besides you who have not bowed their knees to Baal. He called out numbers. He's like, listen, bro, just because you don't know them don't mean I don't know them. And just because you don't know them don't mean they don't know me. It doesn't mean that. No, bro. Just because you think you're the only one. No, 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 no. Don't 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 think like that. So my statement to you is whether you are here or not, you need a destiny kingdom authority. And you need to go someplace where someone has real vision. Now, when you go to the place that has real vision, it won't look like the vision you've been under. Because they didn't see what I saw. And so, you know, um, sometimes we come in and we try to critique before we understood what they created. Hold it. You can see stuff, man, they can do this and this and this. Listen, I'm an idea person. I get that. But get in. Get under. Get with. And then let God open the door, you know, for you to give. But do the getting before you start trying to do the giving. All right? And... If that place has a real destiny authority, then yield to that authority. That's important. Because sometimes we go places, but we don't, we don't, you know. It's always interesting when, when churches change leadership. We were at the succession conference and, you know, the guy said, Bishop Garlington, great man of God. Um, you've heard um, Israel and New Breed. And he said, the song said, it's so easy to love you. I am a friend of God. That's him singing. If you just, you know, know that song from, from years ago. And um, he said that people told him, listen, you're my pastor, but when you leave, I'm not driving an hour to come see the next dude. I'm driving to come see you. I ain't driving to come see him. And, you know, you have to be okay when you're in transition that some people you will never be their pastor. 
Okay. Um, and you can't take it personal. On the other hand, when you transition, there'll be some people that come and they won't, they won't even know who you are and won't care. And they're not being disrespectful, but if they came in under this other one, then they'll be connected more to him than to you. And you got to be okay with that. And uh, in the season of transition, it's best to stay still and give the new guy a shot to connect with you. But it, it develops over time. You can't reproduce 20 and 30 years of relationship in two and three weeks. But if that's the person in authority and this is your kingdom community and you trust the voice of the person that established them, then the will of God is that you stay with it and then let God continue to speak through that person and begin to form the connections. Does that make sense? So I want you to, uh, it is important that as you plan for your next, that you know how to, based on what we did, how to come in, come under, come aside, alongside, come with, before you come to check it out and correct it and stop all of that. Stop all of that. You know, some people just know enough to be dangerous. Know enough to be detrimental. But don't, don't know enough to contribute and participate. Well, what if they don't call me so and so and so? Your gift makes room for you. I remember listening to my bishop years ago, Bishop Jabert, before he passed and talked about how, you know, when he was he was like the elder so and so where he came from in Tennessee when he was working for Saturn. And he had helped that church grow, you know, from about, you know, 50 to about 500 or something like that. You know, some number just really supernatural and stuff. And so he was known as like Elder Ben, you know, they like knew him. And so people from that place came up to Detroit to see him. And they was like, Elder Ben, um, um, where your parking space? Oh, I don't have one. What? You don't have a parking space? Where, where you know, where your, your, where your ministry for this? I don't have that. Where your ministry for that? Because that was all of the stuff he had down there. And they were like, man, I thought you was, he's like, listen, hold it. Like, I'm an elder wherever I go. He was like, listen, those things don't make me who I am. And then they don't take away what God has put on me. You know, his first time talking with Bishop Wallace, <laughs> he took him out to dinner. Bishop Wallace said, man, I see great ministry on your wife, man. I can see all kinds of places that she can function in the ministry. He said, but I don't see nothing for you. Wallace was like, man, you know, sometimes the Lord like tests you. And he said, well, he looked at him, kept drinking. I didn't come here for you. I mean, you know, you, you come correct. I'm going to come correct. I came here because the Lord told me to. I, I'm here because the Lord reassigned me. Now, over time, it opened up. But see, if you let little stuff like that, if you go into a new place looking to be offended, offenses will come. If all you if all you looking for is something to go wrong, something gonna go wrong. If the devil can get you out of your next place of assignment by showing you some, 
I was going to say showing you somebody's butt. I'm not going to say it like that. If he, if he can get you out of your next place of assignment by showing you somebody getting in their flesh, he's going to show you some flesh. And if you're not careful, you'll go from being committed to just being a vagabond with no place to connect to. And that is never the will of God. And so when you come in, you have to come in coming under, even if you think your grace is greater. That's why Jesus said, John said to Jesus, you you come to baptize me. I should really be baptized by you. He said, no, 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 no. I have to acknowledge that you are the more established gift in our region. So I'm yielding to your authority. But by doing that, when I do it, then God's going to do something for me. And it may even get bigger than what God has done for you, because that's what John said. I now have to decrease. I don't put on him what he needs to go forward to his next. And now I'm going to decrease and he's going to keep increasing. You have to be OK with God assigning you to some place where you think you got more. That's why a bunch of wives can't really be wives because they really want to be husbands. I am preaching really, really good because they think they smarter than a man. And so they think they can tell him what to do because they know it better. And then they wise, but they really want to be husbands. I'm preaching really good. You got to know how to come in and come under authority. Okay, so when I come into the house that the Lord has shown me of my next, I'm coming in. I'm trying to figure out, okay, I'm not just trying to know who the pastor is. I'm trying, okay, this is elder so-and-so. This is deacon so-and-so. You know, they got pictures on the wall. I'm trying to read all of the pictures, make sure I know all of the faces because I'm going to really honor everybody I can. You know what? Because what God had for me, he got for me. And honoring you don't take nothing from me. <laughs> <laughs> I carry my grace with me. My gift makes room for me. Now, when you give me a shot, I'm going to shoot the shot, the best shot I got. Don't get it twisted. Well, it's my time. I'm going to do my thing. And I'm going to go right back into my slot. Because, But I, I'm trusting that God really has my next. So many people trying to fight for something because, and then they won't let God give them. They would rather fight. They'd rather get what they can fight for than get what God wants to give them. And either you can bless yourself or let him bless you. You got to choose one. You can't have them both. Look at number two. So God gives vision to a committed person. That person is a destiny authority who guides you to fulfill purpose. In our text today, really the destiny authority primarily is Jesus. Number two tells us that God then raises up committed persons around that committed person to help fulfill the vision through the application of kingdom principles that Jesus called keys. So God has to not, there can't just be one person committed and everybody else just involved. For vision to move forward, you need people, not a person, but people who are committed these committed pe persons form a kingdom community, a group of people distinguished, means set aside and separated from others, by a commitment and submission to a common set of values, laws, moral standards, ideals, norms, and spiritual authority. 
and, and unified by a corporate responsibility and accountability. Now, let's stay there and keep that on the screen for a second. When you move from this place to another place, you got to get time to learn the values. Because the values will be different. The laws, it's not that they are all like, you know, the laws are different. But when you come into a place, you know, my bride went from, from GM to Christ. They got a different set of values. Now, she can come in, but she got to really learn the stuff. She can't be every day saying, well, back at GM, we used to do such and such. You ain't at GM anymore. GM, GM and you have parted ways. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Keep it moving, baby. Keep it moving. And you got to go with the new thing. Um, laws, moral standards, stuff that is okay here might not be okay there and vice versa. Well, where I came from, you ain't where you came from. That's why people drag their past into their future and then they can't move forward. Ideals. Ideals is not what we do. It's what we aspire to do. Ideals is what we, is our aspirations, things that we are working to achieve. Like for me, destiny is not what we've done. It's an ideal that God has this thing inside of us. So I'm always teaching. When I talk, I talk about it because it's something that, that we hold to. Norms, what we consider normal things may be different in, in this place and other places. Sometimes we go to other places wanting them to have the same norms of where we came from, and they're not. Our norms are not going to be theirs. And you got to you got to accept a new normal. You also have to accept the spiritual authority that's in this place and really understand that it's not just the head man. It's the delegated authorities that are there, too. And you want to make not you want people to acknowledge your delegated authority. Why don't you acknowledge theirs? Then you we have to be unified by a corporate responsibility. Certain things we agree that we are responsible and accountable for, all right? And so wherever you join, that's what I'm asking you. Your pastor here in this season is saying, like, my parents was like, go, when you go out, act like you've been raised. You, you know that terminology? Act like you got some home raising. Like, like you got some home training. You go someplace, act like, you know how to do something in that place. If you act like you've been trained, then people will acknowledge your training and things will just move faster. Now, people still have to try and come to know you and learn you. That happens everywhere. If we had people coming with all of this church resume and they came to Destiny Generation, I'd still be like, Foundations One starts on this date. I know more Bible than this. Okay, okay, but still go through my system. So then I don't have problem when people want me to go through their system. You didn't cuss me out. That's not a dirty word. Don't they know I'm pastor so-and-so? Okay, all right, I am. But I, I'm still going to go through the system. I don't mind um, demonstrating the kind of character that I walk in. Okay. Oh, we don't do it quite like that. All right, I'm going to be listening. I'm be looking, not just for the, I'm looking for everybody to mentor me. I'm looking for everybody to tell me, okay, all right, because if, if, if everything I had was everything, then I wouldn't have went there no way. <laughs> okay. 
Don't be at the next company. Say, well, back at the last company I worked for, if that was company, why aren't you still there? And so you can't judge, you can't judge your future um, by the strengths or the weaknesses of the last place. Well, the last guy, he did me wrong, so I'm looking at the next one like that, too. Don't do that. People carry their last broken marriage into the next one, and then they break it. Just move forward, okay? Look, um, in, in our context, go back to number two. In our context, the kingdom community that was raised up around Jesus were the apostles, his, his disciples. Number three, as these committed people obey the teachings of the committed person, the vision becomes visible as heaven's power interrupts, overpowers, and overcomes earth's problems. All right. As, Jesus, as the disciples followed Jesus, the, they were able to cast out devils, work miracles, and preach the kingdom as Jesus did. The grace that was on the leader came on the people that were committed to that leader. You know, one of the things that um, we were there and uh, at, when we went to the conference in uh, on succession and I got some of the materials, you know, I've been listening to so many messages. I can't tell you which of uh, Bishop Tudor Bismarck, I can't tell you which ones were the ones he said there, which ones are the ones I bought and which ones that have I watched on the internet because I've done all three. This dude, listen, Bishop Tudor Bismarck is amazing. But one of the things he said is that there was this thing called grace and rank, grace and rank. And he said, these things, there's, there's kind of a four-way combination that um, some people have grace, but no rank. Some people have rank, but no grace. Some people have neither grace nor rank. And then some people have both grace and rank. Okay. And so sometimes what happens is you're st you kind of start at the bottom. And then you got to work your way up. Jesus had great grace because the spirit came on him with great me without measure. But John the Baptist had the rank. He was recognized as the prophetic voice in that community. And so he said, even though my grace is greater, I'm going to submit to your rank and let you baptize me and ordain me in the ministry. David had great grace. But Saul had the rank even after the grace left. The grace left because of his disobedience, but his rank, he was still functioning as king. And he said his men said, kill him. And he was like, man, I can't touch the Lord's anointed and be guiltless. Sometimes we because we have grace, we think we can buck up on the person with rank. And it would be better for you just to stay back and stay in your own lane and stay in your own zone. Then to buck into somebody else's house where their rank is established and think your grace is going to outrank them. I am really teaching good today. And so what you have to do is 
There are times when you're going to somebody and your grace for certain things is greater, but they still got the greater rank. And God is telling you submit to their rank, because if you submit to their rank and then they and then they anoint you and put some of their rank on you and your grace, your grace and rank will go up because you need gifts that are established to establish you. Paul went into ministry and then he came by Peter, James and John. And the scripture says he called him in Galatians, the pillars of the church. And so he recognized their rank and he submitted this new gospel and ministry to them. And then they gave him the greater. They gave him the right hand of fellowship, which meant he was then authorized to minister in all of their churches. Now, eventually he outranked them. The grace grew so large and he kept growing in rank to where his ministry began to exceed the ones who actually installed him. But he had to wait his turn. And sometimes we come in places, oh God, God done gave me a bigger vision and all of that stuff. Hold up, hold up, bro. If you was all of that, you would still be doing it all by yourself with your bad self. And so we just want to be sensitive as we go places to do like Jesus. Jesus came under his parents' authority. They had, he had the grace, but they had the rank. And so he submitted himself to them. And your Bible says that he increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And then he got to a point where his grace and rank began to outmove them. And then mama called him. And he said, who is my mama? See, that was different than when he was 12. He's not 12 no more. He's 30. Now he's at the full, he's at the full height of his ministry. He's not disrespectful to his mama. He just outranks her now. Do you see it? He has moved on and God kept moving. And so we just want to understand. I want you to understand that so that when you come into a house with an established authority, you don't come in trying to bring your car like they should just rec recognize you right away. What if they don't? Does that mean God didn't send you there? He might still have. What if they disregard you, disrespect you? Some of that's just ministry testing. What if they tell you, you you to preach and then when you get up, what if they correct you? Can you take it? What, what, what if? I'm giving you all of the what ifs that can happen in your next because I don't want you to turn it down when God has assigned you to a kingdom community. What if they start to correct things and, well, you know, uh, if I go from being a senior pastor to a serving under pastor, then I have to yield all of the great revelation when I'm in there to their authority. So I'm going to change the way I, I can't I can't go into your house talking like I'm still the senior. My wife can't come in there like she the first lady. She ain't. She's still first for me. but She ain't first in that church. She can't walk in there sashaying like she got it all. They got somebody who they have that who already has that position. It's already filled. 
All right. But if we can come in, see, authority to me says I can I can be like the Roman centurion and get under authority. And if I do that, eventually God causes me to exercise greater authority. Amen. All right. So that's number three. Number four. Those committed people. Work to influence others to follow their example of commitment within their kingdom community. And I will tell you, within within any kingdom community, there is always an outer and an inner circle. I'm just saying, within any kingdom community, there's always those that'll ride with you to the end and those that'll check out. You can't be mad. Okay. And my thing is, um, I'm kind of wired that if there is this inner team, whatever place they want to give me, I want to be on the inside, not on the outside. Now, they, you know, every every church has this way of, of testing and, and verifying. The scripture says the Ephesian church was so strong because it verified whether the people were true or false apostles. And you got to be okay with people taking you through their system. Because when you get your own system, you're going to take people through yours. With all of their gifts, skills, and abilities, you got to be okay with that. But if you do that, then don't just become a part of the outer circle. Believe God and submit and connect to the point that wherever you are, you can be a contributing strong leader. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's stand. Why is that important? Because that's God's pattern of discipleship. That's why it's important. Father, in Jesus' name, we just say thank you. We thank you for bringing us to this time and this season. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us as a people to be together. Lord, in our final times together in this format and this forum, there are truths that we want to be in part in the people's lives. Many of us have been one church people or a people that has been in one place their whole life and haven't had to do moves like this. Others have moved churches like they move careers, not because necessarily they do something wrong or they're offended. I think about the executive that I talked about earlier, and he has literally had to move in churches all around the world because that's where his career took him and he was guided by you. So he had to know how to come and have a protocol to come into a new house, submit to the authority to serve to the point where his gifting and skills were recognized until you gave him opportunity to be a part of the team and a part of the leadership. So I pray that the grace that you have given us to do that in our own lives be translated to these, your faithful people have committed themselves to serve with me to the end. Bless each and every one of them in the name of Jesus.